We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Pastor Eddie message. Hallelujah. Good evening, church. It's so great to have the honor of sharing God's word with us tonight. Um, this message started in my spirit from last week, uh, Sunday morning, when Pastor started preaching, and Pastor preached to us about um, the how to get and give double blessings, how to get and give double blessings. And I remember um, as pastor sat there and he said to us that the way from the scripture he read to us, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 6 to 7, which would be the key scripture, uh, the way to get and give double blessing is by being a priest unto God, a priest and a servant unto the Lord. And I heard very clearly in my spirit, how do you how do you function as a priest? I heard it very clearly. And I wrote it down. I thought, I'm going to go and study this. And then when pastor said I would get a chance to share God's word tonight, I thought, that's, you know, from the little I've studied, I'm going to share some of it with you tonight. Um, however, before we go into the word, as is usually my practice, I want to tell you a story. I came across this story um, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was funny. So me thinking it's funny means that you have to think it's funny. Even if you don't think it's funny, right now you have to think it's funny just because I said it. So I, I, I read about uh, an old lady that has three children. She was in her late 80s, and her children decided to celebrate her. So each one wanted to outdo each other. She had three boys. So the first boy thought, if I bought my mom a Mercedes Benz, all her life she had never ridden in one, and now I've done very well for myself, she's worked really hard. So we've got the Benz now, and I'll give her a chauffeur as well. So she'll have a car, a Porsche car, and a Porsche driver that wears uniform. So he went and he gave his mom this. Surely I will, I'll do my brothers. And then mom received it and said, thank you. Then the second son said, how can I outdo my, the firstborn? So the second son thought to buy his mom a mansion. So he bought his mom a 15-bedroom house. And um, mom took it again and said, thank you. Then the third son decided that he wanted to give mom something that was extremely precious to him. And that was a parrot. Now, this parrot has been with this third son for 15 years. And he has taught the parrot how to read the Bible from the front to the back and the back back to the front. So the moment he mentions the scripture verse, the, the parrot just goes and just gives mom the scripture. Since mom's having problem with her eyes, she can't quite see anymore. Surely that would be a great present for mommy. So the mom decided to send a message to each of the children based on the gift they gave to her. So she said to the firstborn, thank you so much for giving me a car. However, I've advanced in age. I don't go to many places anymore. Plus, the driver is rude. So I'd rather stay in my house. Thank you very much. She returned the car. Then came the big house. She sent a message to the son that gave the big house a second son and said, son, thank you so much for this house. However, I have 15 bedrooms. I only stay in one. And I spend all day trying to clean the house. Plus, this arthritis is not allowing me to go up and down. Thank you very much. Take your house. I'd rather stay in my room in my little flat. The sons were not very happy. Then he came to the third one. Their mom said, you are the most reasonable child I've had. And I'm so glad I had you as a child because that chicken was delicious. <laughs> All the 15 years of scripture memorizing is gone. As far as mama's eyes were concerned, that was chicken. And mama ate the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> you know it would be a waste of time just like it's a waste of 15 years of that boy's life if you don't get to this message and use it it was a waste of 15 years of trying to teach that parrot the parrot knew the bible but the parrot could not say no 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 no, no I'm not a chicken you can't just eat me and sometimes we do need to stop look and listen properly and ask ourselves, what can I do with this message? Because God has always prepared something for us. He's prepared something for you and I. Pastor on Sunday when he started preaching, he was talking about the 
things that God has in stock for us and how we can live our lives to the best of what God has prepared. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. That's where we're going to start from today. Verses 6 to 7. Did I tell you I can see clearly now? Okay, good. <laughs> Isaiah 61, 6 to 7. We're going to test it, aren't we now? If I don't read well, it's out of nerves. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 6 to 7. The Bible says, oh, it says, But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Pastor taught this scripture extensively on Sunday, and I would like you to go back and look at it and have a listen again to the message. He said, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double, and everlasting joy shall be theirs. There is a bunch of people that are designed to possess double. And you and I are the ones that God is talking about. We're the priests that God has prepared unto himself. And Pastor talked about how he manifested his priesthood as a younger believer, even up till now, he still works on that. And I remember as a young believer, I always had a strong desire to display power, put it that way, because I understand there is power in God. I understand that there is a place to be as a priest that you enjoy the best of God. It's possible to live an average life as a Christian. It's also possible to live a life as a priest unto the Lord. But who is the priest or who is a priest unto the Lord? And that's what I want us to look at today. We'll look at the priest, the privileges of being a priest unto our God, the promises that God has given us as a priest unto himself, and then the practices of priesthood. And I'm really going to dwell on the practice of priesthood. I'm going to give you seven things that priests do that you and I need to work on so that we can enjoy the benefits that God has for us. The first place to start for is understanding that it's a privilege to be called a priest. In the Old Testament, it's a bunch of people that are called priests. But God's original intention was to call the whole of his people priests. Exodus. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 19 verse 6. Before we even got to the Levitical season at all. Exodus 19 6 says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He called the whole of the nation just to himself and said they're going to be priests. They're going to be a holy he wanted a bunch of people to separate unto himself. He wanted a bunch of people that he would continue to show as a, uh, a display of what life should be. He wanted a bunch of people that he would continue to uh, put his blessing and his presence over that would make them different. And up till now, many of us talk about the nation of Israel. I mean, if you've ever been, one of the things that the guide will say at some point is we're surrounded by six nations all around us, all Muslim nations. All of them want us dead. All of them want us gone, but we are not gone yet. Because there is something bigger than those nations that is protecting this nation because they are a kingdom of priests unto God. The privilege of priesthood has been granted and given to us by God. We didn't deserve it. It's not anything we did. In fact, in the Old Testament, so before the priesthood order of Aaron came up, this was God's design for all of his people, Exodus 19. Then by the time you move into Leviticus and Numbers, start talking about the order of the priesthood in a particular lineage called the Aaron and the Levitical or Levite range. And that became the new season where God said, all right, it's okay for people to have um, the head of their family as their priest. But I want to set up a line thinking that maybe that line would help everybody. It's one job that nobody wants to do. But it's a job that has to be done because the priest is the one that clears the way between people and God in those days. The priest was the one that got separated unto himself or the priest family. But where God started from is in Exodus 19, which he said, I want everybody to be like that. However, it wasn't working. So he said, okay, let me work with a small sample of people, a batch. Let me work with this batch and give them the rules and give them the law and they will follow the rule and the law and it will be easier. And on behalf of everybody else, they will do the work of the priests. And then God went on and the whole of the New Testament, I mean, if you read the book of Leviticus chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, it says a lot about the fact that God just picked this bunch of people and he chose to 
blessed them with his presence. He chose to give them a sense of direction, give them something that is bigger than what everybody else has. They just had this seal upon them that was different from everybody else's. Of course, they had responsibilities and roles as well. However, they had a lot of blessings. It's just a privileged position when you're told that, you know what, the queen just chose you, but why? Uh, you didn't do anything, she just chose you. As at the time that the priests were chosen in the line of Aaron, they didn't do anything. They didn't do they were not they didn't stand out by doing any particular thing. God just chose them. But as time went on, the old covenant, as good as it was, meant that every single year the high priest would come into God's presence and try and make amends for people's sins before God. So every single year, somebody comes before God and try and bring blood for sacrifice. That's the job of the priest, to come and bring a sacrifice unto our God. That's one of the jobs of a priest. However, that was not good enough because it's got to be different priests in priests out, sacrifice in sacrifice out, and some people couldn't afford it. And so God needed to bring in a procedure, a process where something permanent has been done. And then Jesus came in the New Testament and he became the priest or the high priest that did it all once and for all, shed his blood for us and were now called part of his body. But God had not pushed aside that principle of priesthood. Why did I say that? Let's go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. The fact that we are not living in the Old Testament does not mean that God has scrapped the role of a priest. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So I chose you as priests to myself, exactly like what he said in the book of Exodus chapter 19. So this is now the New Testament and God said, look, even though we don't bring blood every single time anymore, even though we don't bring sacrifices like before, you are still my priest. You are in a privileged position. I have chosen you. The priests are the chosen of God. Chosen primarily to do two things. To represent God before the people and to represent the people before God. Those are the basic. If you want to you know, cut it down to the basics of what a priest is meant to be. It's meant to represent God before the people and meant to represent the people before God. So it's the intermediary. And up till now, even though we don't need the blood of bulls and, and so on and so forth to come into God's presence, the blood of Jesus had already made that way. But the privilege of coming into God's presence about our matter and other people's matter is still there. The privilege of bringing God to the people is still there as well. However, with things of God, they are all promises kept somewhere. If you want to use them, you go to them. If you don't want to use them, you have no reason to use them. I would, um, uh, there was... Um, there was somebody that once said to me ages ago that it is not my job to teach you what your um, benefits are within this organization. You will have thought the HR's job is to teach you, right? The HR's job, the HR officer or HR manager said, it is not my job to teach you what your benefits are. However, I am here to represent the company. If you come to me and say, these are the things that you should benefit, I will read through the laws of it and I will say, yeah, definitely. But it's not my job to show you what should be yours. So when it comes to the promises of God, it is the job of our pastors and our teachers to show us what God's words say, but it's our job to decide to appropriate such blessings. If you choose to appropriate the blessing of healing, healing becomes yours. One of the testimonies we had um, during the uh, house group on Wednesday was Fumi Onoha, who mentioned the fact that she was prayed for briefly. She said, all alive, every, um, every, by the time it's November, that she just has this thing, she won't be able to speak anymore, and she will be able to, she, she has this sore throat, and it had become a life, and it's something she'd accepted as hers. She said, she said, I didn't remember, I wasn't, a, I, I didn't remember. She said about six years ago, she said, I called her one day, she said it was so bad, she went to the pharmacist that day to go and get something for her throat, and the pharmacy, or the person she saw there was laughing at her, and she was really upset, but she couldn't get angry because she couldn't even express herself. She said she then got back home for whatever reason I gave her a ring. And according to her, she said she couldn't talk because she said she had a sore throat. And I, oh, don't worry, Pastor, this happens to me every November. According to her, I said, why would you accept that? I can remember the incident. Next, we prayed. She said she slept and woke up. And from then, six, seven years ago up till now, she never had it again. She said, because all of a sudden, she felt she should not accept this thing. She's accepting. So as a priest, 
It's our job to go back into the word of God. Look at what the word of God says and live the reality of that word if we ever believe it. It's a privilege, the privilege of priesthood. Then the promise of a priest. There are so many things that God promised the priest. The very first one being that God will always protect the priest. You see, God gave every single one within the tribes of Israel portions of land, but he never gave the priest portions of land. Everybody must work until the soil to be blessed. But the one that is in line with the priesthood, let's go back to that scripture pastor read to us last week. Let's go back to that scripture, Isaiah chapter 61. Read this with me from verses um, 6 to 7. Let's read 6. Verse. It said, but you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of the Lord. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Who is planting? The Gentiles. It's not the priest that is planting. It's the Gentiles that are planted. It says, but you will eat. The privilege of being a, a, a priest is that God gives you a promise. The promise is you're not going to go hungry. You will eat the riches off. When people walk, they walk to store up their riches. But God said, look, I'm going to replace and give to you. He said, and their glory you shall boast in. It's not your glory. You didn't work for that glory. You know, when people say, oh, I don't know why I'm being praised. I didn't do anything. That one did it. You know, God said, yeah, well, look, that's your privilege. That's a promise that I've given to you. He said, instead of your shame, you should have doubled. That is, you are meant to have shame, but you're not going to have shame just because. The promises that God has given to a priest. If you stand in your place, the promises are beautiful. Instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your portion. You shall rejoice in there, not even your portion, there. That is, it's confusing enough that they get the portion, but they are not the ones eating in their portion. You are the one rejoicing. Can you imagine, uh, maybe you support one football club and the other football club scores and you are rejoicing because for whatever reason they decided to give you. How do they give you the goal of another person? It doesn't even sound right. But that's what the Bible says. These are promises that God has given to us as priests unto himself. The promises are huge, but I want to tell you about the responsibilities or what I will consider the practices required to be able to enjoy the promises. There are practices. In the things of God, P always says something that any religion that does not confer responsibility on the practitioners is... Um, it's a cult, it's wrong, it doesn't exist, it's not real, it's fake. So we must ensure that we understand the practices required of us as priests. The greatest thing a priest does is a priest brings sacrifices to God. A priest brings sacrifices to God. But question, what type of sacrifice? Let's look at the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 5, you also as a living stone are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. A priest is called to offer spiritual sacrifices that will be acceptable to God. I'm going to talk you through seven of such spiritual sacrifices. I need you to pick your pen and pick your paper and write this down, write the scripture, go back and study them because they will do you good. It is one of those sermons that you really need to go back to and study and choose to practice so you can enjoy the blessings. This is the practice of priesthood. We are all called the kingdoms of priests, but priests must have what they do. They're not just called a priest because it felt like giving you a name. It's not a priest that just has a tag only. So it's not a minister in name only. It is a minister that has a role to carry out. If God wants to give you and I double blessings, then we must make sure that we understand the practices required to be a priest so we can enjoy the double that God has in stock for us. The very first sacrifice that will be pleasing to the Lord is a spiritual sacrifice. So I'm going to tell you seven spiritual sacrifices that a priest needs to bring to God. The very first one is the sacrifice of themselves as a person. As a person, our person. Romans chapter 12. Let's start from verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of the Lord, that you present your bodies or your person as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. As a priest, you are expected to give a reasonable amount of service. It's not even extraordinary service. Your reasonable service is present your person before God, yourself. Who are you? Your person is your character. Your character before you got to know Christ. Present it before God. 
Well, this is who I am. Nobody can change me. No, present it before God and lay it down at his feet. And let him take it over so that somebody else can take you over, which is him in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory, your character. What are you known as? Everybody knew before that I have a foul temper. And now I'm a Christian, I'm working on it. Just, just let it be. No, you can't do that. I remember my mentor once said that many of us are living sacrifice. The problem of a living sacrifice is that sometimes they go into coma. And that many of us are in coma as believers. So you are in coma with regards to that anger issues until somebody upsets you and then you stand up from the altar and say, let me go and deal with that person and I'll come back to the altar later, oh Lord. A living sacrifice. You know, the Old Testament priest used to bring a, a dead sacrifice. But the New Testament priest brings a living sacrifice, your person. What have you dropped in your character for God? What have you dropped in your character for this new role and this new blessing? In your practice of priesthood, what will change? There are many things a priest is not allowed to do. There are many blessings that a priest is given, but there are so many things they are not allowed to do. There are so many things they are not allowed to touch. What have you dropped for the sake of your priesthood? Because if you genuinely want these double blessings, how to get it and how to give it is definitely going to be worth this practice. The practice of laying your person as a living sacrifice before God. Your character. You can't afford to say what you used to say in the past. Then your choices. This is under your person. Your choices. What choice did you used to make and what choices are you making now? Have they changed? If they haven't changed, then you haven't taken on upon yourself priesthood. Priesthood is one of the best things that could ever happen to you. Every time a priest is around, the blessings of the Lord is around. Every time a priest stands in their place, God's blessings happen. And when they bless, God makes it happen. God puts a seal over what the priest says. So can you imagine having the authority to speak over your children and a seal is just placed on it because you said it? Or an authority to speak over things in your workplace and a seal is laid on it because you said it? Pastor shared a story on, uh, on Sunday about his um, classmate Peter. I know Peter very well. So Peter got born again. So he was Peter's disciple, even though they are friends. And it was, he literally, literally, P didn't say fully, he literally drank out of P's hands. Because I remember I used to say to P that if you're not here, this guy, how is he going to grow? If P says to him, Peter, just jump up and you will pick money in the sky. This guy believed it so much. He would just do it. But one of the things the guy did that was a massive investment in his life, because I knew him, I knew them, was that the guy, he would come every weekend after he got saved, he was a Roman Catholic young man, man server, I think he was, and then he got saved, and I think they were roommates, I think they were roommates, I don't know whether pastor, they were roommates anyway, when I met them. And then he will, every weekend, when P is going home, he will follow P home, and then he will tell P to teach him scriptures. Now, we're in the same class, all of us are in the same class. But this guy invested, now P is home from uni, was very far. But he had close to no money, but he had enough money to go, and then he would sit down and he would choose to learn. And he made such choices repeatedly. Little wonder things started happening in his life. If you want to be a priest unto the Lord, you've got to make some right choices. You've got to change the way you choose right now. Change them and then make choices based on who you are in Christ now. As in, not that you just became a priest, you just became conscious of your priesthood. If you're not conscious of your priesthood, anybody will treat you as you like just because you're not conscious of who you are. I remember very clearly when we, were, when we moved to, when we were in Cyprus, for whatever reason, for, for me personally, I just didn't understand the value of your British um, certificate or passport or anything of that nature. But we knew, we knew God said, go to England. We didn't know how to go to England. We never had anybody around us to tell us how to go to England. So we kept going to the visiting section and we kept being rejected. He was, I was rejected twice, and I had a British, pass, British birth certificate. I eventually had a British passport, and the lady just didn't get it. She didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand what was going on. She didn't understand why I'm applying for visa, visiting visa. I didn't understand why she was rejecting me. Then by the time we took it you know, to the double of the family, we were applying for a visiting visa for a family. And she's just thinking, why are they applying for a family when they should be applying for a settlement visa? They, she, she was well confused. So were we. 
And I remember in the end, she said, how come you didn't know what your rights are? And I remember saying, how am I supposed to know if nobody told me? I said, but that's not my job. That's not my job. You will have thought that's our job. She said, my job as a visa officer is to reject people going to England. It's not to give people visas. I thought, what? I thought your job was to give visas. No, my job was to reject. But it's my job to go and study what I'm meant to do that I have rights to that I didn't know I had rights to. And you can, as a believer, continue to live a particular kind of lifestyle, less than what God has in stock for you, and nobody will say, well, it shouldn't be like that. In fact, the worst part of it is, it's always crowded at the bottom, so you always have people around you, Christians that chose not to be serious either. If you really want to enjoy or practice this priesthood and enjoy the blessings of the priesthood, I submit to you that your person needs to be brought as a sacrifice to God. The next thing I would suggest that you need to bring as a sacrifice, another sacrifice that God likes to receive from us, is our partnerships. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. First one, your person. As a priest, bring your person, your character, and your choices before God. Make new choices just because of what you want. The second one is your partnerships. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has lawlessness or righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? I remember as a younger believer, I read this and I thought, you know what, surely it must be people that are not born again. I didn't have a lot of problems there because I had quite a few born agains around me, but totally born again, but totally unserious born again. You know, you're not out, you're not in. And when they want to count those that are in, they will count you, but you also know that your practices are totally different from what the Bible says. So I was hanging around these supposed Christians. The whole, my room was full of Christians, plus the lodger, plus the roommate, plus everybody. And everyone that ever comes to our room, they're all Christians. But I mean, Christians that, you know, you can do what you feel like doing and God will still accept it. And I remember one day, in the whole of the doing what you need to do or what you, what you feel like doing, I remember one day there was a situation. It was a bad situation. There's a, in the uni I was in at that time, they used to break out names of, there's something called the marriage week. And I'm sure I've shared it here with you many times in the past, but I'll say it again, like I said. So always say it's my story. And I remember this marriage week, they just pulled together names of people, not just random, because they, like, as they always say, there is never smoke without fire. So either people you're hanging around and lurking around with in the wrong place at the wrong time, just pull all the names out. And all of a sudden, maybe some guy that want to ask you out and he has looked at you in a funny way twice. And all of a sudden, they bring it out on this board. Now, those things are either lead to people deciding to progress the relationship or just run away. But in this situation, my name was coming out that same week. And it was the first day it came out with like three different guys. Now, this is me. I'm a sister, like sister, sister, sister. You know, you know head scarf time sister. You know, sister. You know, they're you know, like so... So my name came out with three different guys. I mean, one of them was close to church. The other one was far from church. The other one was a Muslim. It was just wrong on every level. But I mean, that was, it's okay. It's not a big deal. And I got to class. And some guys are saying, sister, you know, like, like oh, no big deal. Then Tuesday came. My name came out with those three people plus two other names, making five names. Come on, what's wrong with you? You're the only girl in school. At this time, whether you are wrong or right, whether you misbehaved or you didn't misbehave, everybody begins to look at you in a certain way. So I remember I felt like I came to class and everybody kept quiet. You know, as a teenager, it always feels really bigger than it is, you know, but that was how it felt. So I remember I had to run to my uh, prayer leader, who was my mentor or my discipler, as we used to call it then. And I, I cried to him that day. And I remember my discipler was not really, it wasn't an easy person to hang around because when you come into his room, even though he's just a student like me, he would first of all ignore you and be praying. I mean, he just ignored me. I sat there and he was praying. When he finished praying, he took his Bible, he started studying it. And here I was seated like a student, you know, that has offended God. Even if I went to God, it couldn't have been that bad. But that was how he treated me. I needed that treatment. See, years on, I have not forgotten. And that behavior made me never, ever, ever go near fire again for the rest of my life. You know, so it was really, really tough. So after about 30 minutes of doing what he felt like doing, he turned to me and said, so what do you want? So, I mean, and like with serious Christian arrogance, <laughs> if there's anything like that, oxymoron, right? So he said, what do you want? I said, Monday and Tuesday, my names have come out in, all, in this thing and it's messing me up and, you know, I'm embarrassed, I'm shy, I can't go anywhere. In fact, I remember thinking I'm not going to go out the next day. He said, well, so what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. 
But I just knew that you can pray and things would happen. So I more or less. So he said to me, you don't have power with God. If you, I mean, I mean like, there's a way he says it that is so interestingly cocky. But it made me really desire to be like that one day. It didn't make me feel, you know what? Do what you feel like doing that and I'm going. And I, I, I just want to get there one day to be able to say the same thing to someone, maybe in a different way. <laughs> you don't have power with God. If you had power with God, if you want to write your name, if they want to write my name, that pen won't work. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, and I believed it. And this guy said all of these things and he said, I'll pray with you now, then clean your ways. <laughs> I mean, he had power with God. He had authority with God. He, had, he can talk to me as he liked. Do you know what though? Then he found out, because he used to be in the confraternity and in those magazines before he became a believer, and he realized that my name was going to come out the next day with 10 guys. I mean, I might as well just leave the uni, right? So he stopped it, both spiritually and physically. Later I discovered that he went to speak with all the, all the um, editors to say they shouldn't put my name out. They should remove it, they should change the names and stuff like that. But as far as I was concerned that day, he prayed and God suspended heaven. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to change my friends. From now onwards, I'm going to hang around friends that declare a thing and it happens. All right, you say, oh, because uh, you're just a young teenager then. Yeah, but I, I'm glad I made that choice at that point. That day, that actually, that singular incident was what got me serious as a believer. That awful, they were all lies. I wasn't dating any of them. I wasn't interested in any of them. They were, but I was very friendly and I was friends with everybody. But unfortunately, who do, how many people do you want to tell in a uni that it wasn't so? Nobody would even ask you, just look at yourself, that girl, that girl sleeps around. What? I'm not even like that. But that was how it was. And if I remember my disciple saying from now on, was, you know, like, you know, that woman that was going to be stoned in the Bible and Jesus said, don't do this kind of thing anymore. And so I said, but I didn't do it. I said, shh. Now, next year, I'm not going to help you. I said, you wouldn't need to help me. So I cleaned my ways. Who are you partnering with? And how much mess are they bringing into your life? If you're going to be a priest, you've got to partner right. This priesthood thing, it's a serious business. It's a serious business. You bring the sacrifice of partnership. It doesn't matter that you met them in church. You might be unequally yoked, imbalanced yoking. Imbalanced yoking slows somebody down. Guess who it slows down? The faster one. The one that is going somewhere. My mentor once told me, when I was a young girl, said she would never marry somebody that would pull her down. I'd rather somebody that would pull me. I said, but it's easy to come down. It's so easy to come down. It's more difficult to pull up than it is to come down. Be very careful who you partner with. Be very careful the Jonas in your life. You don't know what God is doing with them or where God is taking them to or the fact that they're not even serious about this God. The third thing that a priest brings before God is our praise. They bring the praise, a sacrifice. So a priest brings different sacrifices to God. I said the first one is a person. The second one is partnership. The third one is praise. The Bible made us understand, if you look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it's a priest's job to bring people's praise before God. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise of God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Many of us are good at giving thanks when we think it's going well. We're really bad at giving thanks when we assume it's not going well. We're bad at giving thanks when we think we need to be complaining. You cannot use the same lips to praise as the same lips to complain. It looks like one set of tongues that is blowing out both hot and cold. It doesn't work together that way. A priest cannot afford not to give praise but to live in the world of complaints and expect that he will go into the tabernacle and provide his service. God won't take it. God won't take it. See, God doesn't take anything and everything. But we assume it does. But it's not true. It doesn't. Go back and read Leviticus chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. If you bring praise to him, and with the same mouth you bring what he calls on, um, on acceptable fire, that is strange fire, strange words, strange behavior to him, it actually, the worst part of it is that it punishes. He punishes. So you're actually better off not coming into his presence. There are many other people that did wrong things in the land when Nadam and Abiu were punished with death. There are many other people, but these ones were priests. 
Priests are not meant to do some things. Priests are not meant to say some things. If you say them, then God comes down heavily. The same way you have this huge privilege, you also have this huge responsibility. The responsibility that is laid on you because you want double portion of his blessing, it's huge. You cannot afford to allow your mouth that will give praise to the Lord be the same mouth that will say what you feel like saying, as you feel like saying, when you feel like saying. It doesn't work that way. A sacrifice to bring to the Lord is a sacrifice of praise. Why is it a sacrifice? Because I don't feel like it. A sacrifice is no sacrifice if it doesn't cost you anything. This praise that we give only when it's pleasing to us. Oh, God is so faithful. God is so faithful because you just got it. What if you didn't get it? Would you still praise God? Is this still going to be a faithful God? What if it doesn't go the way you desire for it to go? Is this still faithful? Or is it only faithful when you get it? Is it only faithful when it's going your way? I want to implore you as a priest unto the Lord in your practices that you give praise no matter what. Let praise constantly flow from your mouth to your God just because your God is faithful. Whether he shows up the way you want him to show up, when he wants him to show up is not the point. You don't own God's calendar. But one thing is, you own what you do before God and you own it. The next one that a priest does is that a priest brings a sacrifice of their possession. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16. We just talked about praise. The next verse that I said, but do not forget to do good, to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Doing good and sharing the sacrifice of possession. What do you have and who do you share it with? What do you have and who do you share it with? If you look at, like P and I always say, when you look at your spreadsheet as a family, what from you goes to people that will never be able to give back to you? You can say, well, everybody has at Gateway Chapel. True. But if you take time to actually pray, you will know who needs the sacrifice of your possession who you need to do good to, who you need to share with. Don't do good to only the people that can invite you back for lunch. What's that about? That's association. That's, 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 that's association. You don't want to do association in the body of Christ because you want to give to the one that is only God that can give it back to you. That's why it's a sacrifice. It's only God that sees it and that can give it back to you. Do good. The Bible says in that same scripture, can I have it back up, please? As a sacrifice. That's Hebrews chapter 13. It said, do not forget. So it's possible to forget to do good. You will have thought it's normal to do good. It's normal to do good to the people you know will give you back. But it's, difficult, it's possible to forget to do good to those that you know may not be able to do anything for you. And don't forget to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Will God be well pleased with your sacrifice? Because it's a sacrifice. The sacrifice of your possession. You know, don't do my soul. Now be merry, be good because you have had everything. Now let's just save the rest. Don't do that because there are sacrifices to give as a priest unto the Lord. There is no priest that thinks alone by themselves. Even up till now, there's something called, I think called Kineret, Kineret, which is a, a settlement. There are settlements that people stay in in Israel up till now. And in those settlements, they share. They share with other people. What do you have to share? I mean, do you just wake up and say, you know what, this month, we've paid our tithe, we're paying our offering. Do you know what? We need to bring this as something to give unto someone. The next one there is a sacrifice of our prayers. Our prayers. It is the job of a priest to pray. Not just for themselves, but for other people as well. Let's look at that scripture, Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. Revelation chapter 8. Let's read. It says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, and that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden incense, which was before the throne. God takes the prayer of all the saints. It says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the, angels, from the angel's hand unto heaven. One of the tasks, physical tasks in the Old Testament of a priest is that a priest stays in the temple and they light the temple. They light, they switch on the light in the temple or the candle in the temple. The candle should never run dry. The incense should never stop. The prayer doesn't stop. The, active, the praise doesn't stop. It just continually goes up to the Lord. In the Old Testament, the same thing goes in the New Testament. How many times do you take time to actually pray for other people, forgetting about your children, forgetting about your own matter? Just, you know what, today I am praying for X, Y, Z. 
as a priest unto the Lord. You represent God to the people and then you represent the people before God. How many people do you represent before God? Or you just think, Pastor Angela is praying, that's good enough for us. But it's more than that. It's a great thing Pastor Angela is praying, but she's growing herself. Yes, she's praying for you, she's praying for me, but she's growing herself. I remember when I went to, I was a young believer, and I remember going to a particular lady who was a prayer warrior in my fellowship that time. She can pray for the nation. I mean, she, I mean, not prayer for the nation. She can pray. She can just pray. So I went to her and said, I want to learn to pray. And she said, okay, that's fine. I should sit down there. And she took her chair and she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I, saw, I got fidgety. After like 10 minutes, I'm thinking, when is she going to stand up? She didn't stand up. When she stood up, she just went next to the window and then continued and continued. And after an hour, I just thought, why on earth did I say I want to learn this thing? In all this one, you know, I had some really weird and wonderful people around me as a growing believer. They, were, they, they really used to display God so much. I, don't, I think it's showing off, but it's a good show off. It's a really good show off. I remember even P used to, all of these things he said, it was massive show off. At, when we were growing up, we were showing off with God. You know, people show up with different things now, but it was really, you know, show off. <laughs> show off with God. Let me tell you what happened one day. One day, one day, let me digress very briefly. One day we were going to fellowship. We were in the same morning devotion. I don't even know why he was coming there because it was my morning devotion. But we're in the same morning devotion, and that day they told us to mention when we got born again. So when we, when we go to class, before the lecturer comes, so he would save a seat for me right in front of him. So I'll sit down and say, what did God say to you this morning? Hello. <laughs> now, before I met him, I'd already known how to hear God's voice, but it's not every single day that I can say, well, God said this this morning, God said this this morning. So he'll say, what did God say to you this morning? I said, well, I was studying this scripture, and this is my understanding. He said, is that all? What do you mean is that all? That's a big deal. He said, so you mean that was all you had? There's no type, there's no shadow, there's no this. I'm thinking, this brother is so cocky. May I never come across him for the rest of my life kind of thing? <laughs> because he reminded me so much of all those believers that really, really, um, uh, how do you call it now? When people oppress you, when that oppressed me when I was a younger believer. And then I was growing up, and then I met him again, and I don't know what my issue is, and I attached myself to him. Because I, I remember one day I said to myself, I said to him, I told him, I said, you know what? If there's only one person that God will save in a place, it will be you. So I will just attach myself to you. That makes life easier because I know when he saves you, he will save me. <laughs> I used to say that to him then. So anyway, coming back to the whole issue of prayer. And I remember this sister prayed and prayed and prayed. And when she finished, she prophesied towards me. And I remember thinking it was so worth the one and a half hour of sitting down in one spot. Can you imagine as a, I think I was only 17, 18. 18 year old, more like 17 than 18. Just sat down for an hour and a half. No mobile phone, nothing, nothing to fidget with. I didn't even have my Bible with me. If I had, I wouldn't even know where to go. And that day I told myself, there are a bunch of people, when they finish praying, God speaks to them straight away. God tells them things about other people. And that day she gave me, interestingly, she gave me a prophecy till today. I have not forgotten that prophecy. And I told myself, I'm going to do the same thing. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. Obviously, it took a lot of practice. Some days I think I've been praying for the past one and a half hours only to open my eyes, it's been five minutes. And how did she do it? So I told myself, it's because she can talk a lot. But she can't, I talk more than her. Well, she talks so much before God about other people's matters. A priest is the one that talks before God about other people's matters. Take other people's matters to God. This whole, I can only pray for five minutes. It's because you're constantly praying for yourself alone. You're constantly praying for yourself alone. I'm going to add a little bit of something to it. I know Pastor jokingly said it on, on Sunday that we were praying together. We sat under a shed and the shed fell on me and so on and so forth. True. However, one of the things we chose to do as a cutting couple is that we decided to be writing prayer points. We take people, seven people every week. We pray for them. We wait upon the Lord one day in the week for those people. We pray for them and we come together. We pray for them every single day and we come together one day of the week and pray for those people. It was when we were praying for them that the shed fell. But you know what? The beauty of that time for me personally was then we start canceling the names that God has, the names of the prayers God has answered. So when, you know, you have X, Y, Z, they need this. We go back and ask those people, how is this issue? When God has done it, we remove it from our list and add another one. It says a lot to me that God is the God that answers prayers. And when I focus on other people, God solves my matter. 
And that was such, for me, I think it was the most productive relationship any two people can have. I think we did have a very productive relationship because it was not just about you and me and then after you and me, my dream, your dream. What is that about? As a priest, you're standing for people. So God saw today and God was taking us through a journey where we learned to pray for only seven people. Then the time comes, you have to pray for 700 people. Another time will come 7,000 people. But how will God give you 100 when you have not prayed for one? How will God give you 10 when you have not prayed for? How will God give you 10 when you have not taken time to pray for one person? So as a priest, take your eyes away from yourself and focus your eyes back on God. The next one is our pose. So I said our possession before and then our provision. A priest bring their tithe and the tithe of the people, our own provision before God. A priest is meant to have the tithe of the people brought by the people to the priest and then he prays over it and blesses them. And it's presented unto God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 is another sacrifice we bring to God. Say, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full and having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. Is your provision pleasing to God? Or God looks at it and thought, is this what I'm worth? Do you genuinely, as a priest, give room for tithing to God and for giving extra to your God? I'm not going to dwell too much on that because I know, like P always says, if you will do it, it's up to you. It's not that you don't know. But I want to assure you that when you put God first in your provisions and your giving and your possession, God has a way of sorting the rest out for you. I have repeatedly experienced God with, when it comes to financial breakthrough. Not just me, my children, not just my children, the people, anyone around me, because I cannot but tell you that this is the truth. Don't let anyone deceive. Everybody can tell you it's okay if you don't pay tight. It's not a big deal. Well, you can say it's not a big deal, but to God, it's a big deal whether I reward or not. If he can't trust you, he can't bless you accordingly. It's not everybody you give everything you like. There are some things that you can never, never give some people because you think they're never going to treat it with the respect it deserves. There are some people, if you give them things, it never leaves their hands. Why would I want to give you if you wouldn't give out? Why would I want to give you when the kingdom doesn't matter to you? I'd rather my money go to the kingdom. So, as a priest... One of the things you need to look out for is to make sure that your own provision goes into the temple as well. So don't just everybody else's provision. Oh, yeah, people are giving to the Lord and that is good. Yeah, and they are giving. Then this ministry, for instance, has no lack. And we're grateful to God for that. But make sure that your name comes up when God chooses to reward. Because God rewards accordingly. If you go back and read that in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 6 to 7, God rewards according to what people do. The next one there, which is the last one, is our proclamation, the things that we say. Romans chapter 15, verses 15 to 16. What sacrifice, what other sacrifice should we bring? What we say, nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some point, as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, the next verse, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ, making a proclamation, as in sharing your faith with somebody. I have a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. You're a minister, you're a priest of God to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What do you share with the people that you hang out with? Do they even know who you are, where you're from? There are many times that many of us hang out with people and you come and you go and there is no, there is no rubbing off. You don't share your proclamation, your words. You don't share your Christ. A priest can never not represent God before the people. That's part of the job of the priest. He represents the people before God, but he also represents God before the people. You are God's representative among the Gentiles that you work with. You are God's representative in that gym you go to. You are God's representative in your neighborhood. But if God has you there as his representative, what exactly are you distributing? As a younger believer, I read this scripture, you are the epistle that men read. So I knew that my actions will speak louder than my words, but my words also need to follow. 
Many of us say, well, I'm already acting like a Christian, so it's, not, it's okay. No, it's not okay. When the opportunity comes, you share. You share your word. Share the word about God. Share the word about your church. You don't know how to preach. Come and listen to my pastor. He's so good. You don't know how to preach. Come and listen to my worship team. It's fantastic. Come to this place. People are always happy there. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. Come to this place. I go here and this is how it is. Just proclaim the word. It's a sacrifice. A priest is called to give sacrifices. In your practice, give sacrifice. When I was reading the book of Leviticus chapter 18, he was talking about what the priest is allowed to do and not to do. A priest is not allowed to marry anybody anyhow. A priest is not allowed to hang out with anybody anyhow. A priest is not allowed to say what he feels like saying. A priest is not allowed to go where he feels like going. A priest is not allowed to represent whosoever he feels like representing. But it's a great privilege because the promises are way beyond what anybody could imagine. So practice this priesthood were kingdoms of priests unto himself. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 61 as I finish. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's go back to that scripture, verses five through to, uh, 6 through to 7. You want the double portion of what God has prepared for you. Be a priest unto him. And there are practices to priesthood. I've shared seven of them with you today. It says, but you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you the servant of God. It's not even God that is calling you a servant. From the things you do, people will call you God's own servant. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. So the practices are worth it. With this reward, they are worth it. And in their glory, you will boast. The next verse. Instead of your shame... You shall have double honor. That is, you have done things that should bring shame to you, but it's not going to happen. That's how to get and how to give it. That's how to pass it on to your children and your children's children. It then says, and instead of confusion, shall be you shall, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. And everlasting joy shall be theirs. That's your portion. But it's worth it. Get the practice in place and enjoy the promise. The Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk. Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.